Walking with Jesus, serving with love, and sharing with courage. Welcome to the Pecan Podcast. Hello, friends. It is Pastor Courtney. So good to be with you here on the PCOM podcast. Thank you for tuning in, whether it is Tuesday or another day of the week, early in the morning, late at night, on your commute, in your home. It is so good to be with you. I love gathering with you in this digital virtual space. I am going to begin with a story this morning that may not seem at first to have anything to do with politics as we continue on in our series on politics here on the podcast, but I promise you I'm going somewhere, so stay with me. Over the years, I have taught classes off and on at various colleges. Um, I, I got a master's degree in English before I knew God was calling me into the ministry, and so it's fun to be able to exercise that part of my brain and teach students about the wonders of writing composition and the beauties of literature. Um, I haven't done it in a couple of years because baby number three kind of threw a wrench in our mix, and three kids is a lot of kids. Um, my My mom is the mother of three. I'm the oldest of three daughters, and my mom always says, one kid is one two kids is 20 and three is 300. (laughs) That that feels true. Um, But prior to Felicity, I taught composition classes, writing composition classes off and on. I've taught out here at Concordia. When we lived back East, I taught at Ryder University and I taught briefly at Wheaton College when we lived in Chicago. Um, And One of the students at one of these schools, and I will not throw any of the schools under the bus because there are students that plagiarize. Uh, Sadly, there are students that plagiarize at every college under the sun. Um, But I asked for a a final research paper, and there was a student who had really been struggling, and I'd offered this student additional writing workshops and tutoring options and ways to raise the grade, but um, the student just really wasn't interested, and (laughs) I could kind of see where this might be headed. And I sat him down and said, you know, you really do need to get a B or better on your final paper, or you're not going to pass the class. You know, I'm so sorry, but here are the the grades you've received thus far. And here's how the final exam paper is weighted. And, you know, he nodded. And then I received the final papers on exam day. And when I got to his, I was only a sentence or two in before I realized that the writing style of this paper was extremely advanced. Um, And I realized that this student probably didn't write this paper. And I looked through it to see if I could see any of his signature writing style. And it was just very clearly, um, well, I suspected that it was plagiarized. So now that we have Google, it's really easy to find a plagiarized paper. You just Google a couple of sentences. And there are also some wonderful academic programs that you can input a few sentences and find if that paper exists anywhere else in in the published world. And sure enough, this student had not only plagiarized his final paper, he had plagiarized it from a Duke PhD student in bioethics. <laughs> so um, it was a very interesting paper 
but he did not write it. And so I, I had to have that difficult but necessary conversation with the student. And, you know, he was at first he was defiant and then he was embarrassed and then he was honest and apologetic. And at the end of our conversation, he said, you know, I just figured if I was going to plagiarize, I should plagiarize from the best. <laughs> and he didn't pass the class, but he did get a smile out of me at the end. And I share that story because I think about that student all the time when I think about our current state of affairs with information and misinformation, real news and fake news. I was in a conversation months ago with a dear friend from back in Wisconsin on Facebook, and he said, you know, I just want to throw up my hands because I don't know who to believe anymore. I don't know what to believe anymore. How do we how do we make sense of everything that's out here? And so today for our politics podcast, we are going to spend some time talking about being well-informed. And I know you may be sitting there thinking, well, you, you spent the last six weeks telling me to read less news. Yes. <laughs> yes. Read less news. Stay off of social media, except in small, reasonable doses. If you're someone who has the TV news on all the time or the talk radio news, I would really encourage you to limit that significantly, no more than an hour a day, um, and try to balance it. Spend at least that much time with Jesus or pursuing spiritual practices or interests that quiet and center your soul. But we we do need to be informed, right? God asks us to work on behalf of the world and to seek justice and love mercy and walk humbly with God. And part of that is being informed and knowing what's going on. Where are the areas where we really do need to work for justice? How should we vote? Um, right? All of these questions require us to be informed. So how do we do that? How can we become informed without losing our souls, without becoming exhausted, without having such a an influx of information that we don't know how to make sense of any of it? These are really important questions. They're important with the election looming, but they are also just as important in our normal everyday lives. So let's talk about quality sources. This is one of the things that I got to teach when I was teaching writing composition and introduction to research. How can you tell if a source is a quality source or if it's just something a random person posted on their blog? The internet is this beautiful thing where we can connect across the miles, where we can stay in touch with far-flung people, where we have all of this information at our fingertips, but not all of that information is weighted equally. Unfortunately, in the days of the internet, everyone with a blog is now an expert, and it is really easy to set up a blog. And we are seeing this. We're seeing this with misinformation campaigns and um, people who use the internet for nefarious purposes, um, or even people who really do mean well, but they just don't have all of the information or um, they're not approaching the information that they have in a thoughtful manner. So first, the good news. There are quality, critical, thoughtful sources on both the left and the right and the center out there available to us. And I spoke about some of these that I, I recommend, not in terms of recommending all of their content or agreeing with everything they post, but recommend them in terms of being thoughtful sources. And even more than that, when we read, let us read things that we choose carefully and let us read them thoughtfully and deeply and prayerfully. 
Because when we just skim headlines, some of those headlines that are, you won't believe six things to do if you don't want to die tomorrow by a meteor hitting your car, right? Like those are, those types of headlines are known as clickbait. They get money from advertisers when you click through to that link. So the crazier the headline sounds and the more dramatic and the more exciting and the more, um, the more fear inducing often the more clicks those get and the more money those advertisers will give to those websites. So there are a lot of websites and blogs and media sources that they just like the clicks and the ethical, the ethical question is not looming as large as it should for them. So let's talk about how to recognize a quality source how to check whether something checks out, or is it a rumor? Is it gossip? The Bible speaks really, really strongly against spreading gossip and spreading rumors. Do we know it to be true? And how can we check? Who can we check with? Back when I was a student at Wheaton College, there was a much beloved professor named Dr. Woodowis. He taught in the political science department, and his students just spoke with awe and fear and reverence about these weekly quizzes he had. He had his students all subscribe to a national newspaper, and he would quiz them on the entire newspaper once a week. I think it was the Friday newspaper. So they had to know that newspaper front and back. He would quiz them on things that were on page 37. He would quiz them on things that were in the arts section and the news section and the politics. And and every one of his students would say, I hate, I hate this newspaper challenge. But they would also say, you know, I have never read deeply like this before. I'm reading to understand because that helps me remember. And I think about Dr. Widowis when I think about the absolute fire hoses worth of information that we have right now, right? Getting our news right now can feel like trying to drink from a fire hose. There is just so much in the flow of information. Richard Foster is a wonderful Christian writer. His book, The Celebration of Discipline, really highly recommend. It's about spiritual practices, but he devotes a whole chapter to the discipline of study, the spiritual discipline of study. And he uses this in relation to scripture, but also in relation to other texts, great works of literature, poetry, even song lyrics. Instead of skipping across the surface like a rock across a pond, pond, what does it mean to read deeply, thoughtfully, to chew on the text, to really digest what's going on there rather than just this constant ping, ping, ping of our attention with all of this information. So first and foremost, I encourage you to look back a couple podcasts ago. I talked about some recommended resources from the right and from the left when it comes to news and from the center. It is really wise to choose one or two sources on the left one or two sources on the right, and I will link to these this recommended source list in the show notes today as well, so you don't have to go back and find them, but to find and to read from both sides. If you are used to reading just one side of the news, it will likely convince you that everyone on the other side is off their rocker, and this exercise may make you mad when you start. Like, Of course, there can be no one reasonable across the aisle for me. No one is reasonable over there. But as you read, you may think, oh, you know, there's a shade to this argument I didn't understand before. And you might not find yourself convinced 
but it will help you understand both the opposition, the other side, and your own position better. So I really encourage you to find at least one source on the left, at least one source on the right. And again, these sources I'm resources I'm recommending are center left and center right. We're not going to any fringe stuff. And I encourage you in your own life to try to find that center place and to be informed on both sides and to let people who already stand on their side make those arguments. Often what happens when we read everything through a single political lens is we get caricatures and straw men set up rather than actual thoughtful arguments. Most of the problems facing us in politics today are not solved as simply as, well, it's just X. Well, it's just Y. Um, there is, there's complexity there. And, and people are complex, complex beings with complex motivations. Um, and it's not as immediately intellectually satisfying as it is to say, well, the people over there, they're just off their rockers. But um, I believe that it is faithful and thoughtful and wise and will help us not be um, just steered primarily and first by our politics, but steered primarily and first by our Savior and by seeking to understand and be thoughtful in our political opinions and our political leanings and um, the strength even of our political leanings. Often when we begin to understand the opposition, it, it deepens our own position because we understand our own position better. Secondly, as you are reading, even these trusted sources, check your sources. If you read something and it sounds a little fishy, follow that bunny trail. There's a great resource online called Snopes, S-N-O-P-E-S. It's like snores, but it's a P instead of an R, snopes.com. And this has uh, dedicated researchers who will tell you, you put in a story or a fact, like we've fact checked this and this is what's actually true. And sometimes it'll say, oh, there's a kernel of truth here. And other times it'll say, we don't know where this came from, but it's not true. Um, and especially when you're finding um, information on social media, that it can look really, really legit. Um, check where that information is coming from. Is it coming from an established, reputable news source? Is it coming from um, a news channel? Or is it coming from something that looks legit? It has the right header, it has the right colors, but it's not actually an established, credible source. Often when you click through those links, you can scroll down to the very bottom of your browser and there's an about section. Click on that and find out where the information is coming from, who is running it, who is in charge, who is on the masthead. And if you can't find an about section, that's your first clue that something is probably off. There are rumors out there right now, friends. There are rabbit holes that you can fall down. Um, another thing to look for is if you click through to a source and they start saying things like, you know, the these people don't want you to know the truth. You know, these people are covering up the what's actually happening. And who are these people? <laughs> and who is writing this website? 
Because again, with the clickbait, when you have these sensational headlines, people get excited, people click through. The truth is often not that interesting and won't get as many clicks. So either there's some fabrication or there is some hyperbole. People are adding to the truth or taking away from the truth or um, simply making things up. This I expect to continue to heighten until the election and beyond. Um, one of the difficult things, again, about the internet is people can post whatever they want, whenever they want. Um, and so do check your sources. When we're talking about coronavirus information, this is even more important, perhaps, than when we talk about political information. Often you'll click on a post and it'll say it's written by a doctor. What kind of doctor wrote this post? Is it an epidemiologist who knows a lot about pandemics? What are their qualifications? Where did they go to school? All of these are really, really important questions. Or was it written by a chiropractor who also is a doctor? Or was, was it written by a professor of theology who is also a doctor, right? But probably doesn't know things about viral loads and vectors. So we want to be really thoughtful. Check the website. Where are you? Check the author. If there's no author, that is a really big red flag if there's no one's name on it. And then check the credentials of that author. Um, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but one of my favorite sources of information on the coronavirus is from a doctor named Dr. Michael Osterholm. He is the director of SIDRAP, which is the Center for Center for Infectious Disease Research and Prevention at the University of Minnesota. He has been doing this for decades. Um, and he, at the end of his podcast, says, you know, I think this is where we're going to be a week from now. And he is almost always right, almost to the letter. He's very wise. He's worked under five presidential administrations. He's very nonpartisan. He's very non-anxious. Um, and when it comes to coronavirus information, there is so much information out there, so many opinions that he has become one of my trusted voices. Um, so that is my last bit of advice. Check the source, check the author, check the author's credentials. Um, and when you find a few trusted voices in the middle, on the left and on the right, it can be good to think, okay, who are my trusted voices? Just like in your own personal life, you probably have a few really trusted voices. Who are you going to listen to? Okay, I'm going to listen to my best friend on this. I'm going to listen to my spouse. I'm going to listen to... My, my child who works in this field, I'm going to listen to my parent who works in this field, um, rather than listening to the whole cacophony of sounding voices to listen to those really trusted, thoughtful voices. Um, and then finally, as we're talking about information and misinformation, before you repost, before you forward an email, before you send something on to a friend, have you checked it out? Or is it simply a headline that grabbed you or upset you or is playing on some of your deepest fears? Think through those things before you become part of the spread of misinformation. Um, I will admit that I have I sent an article to a friend a few months ago, and then as I read and I studied, I realized, you know, this actually I did not think I did not think this one through and I had to send her then a follow-up email and say, you know what? I did not read it all the way to the end and I'm so sorry. Um, that wasn't an email I should have forwarded and I would ask that you don't forward it either. And she was like, done, deleted, got it. Um, so we all are going to stumble in this. We are all going to, to make mistakes, especially when it feels like the stakes are really high. Coronavirus pandemic and big election. 
but let us work friends to be wise, check our sources, check our authors, and then check ourselves before we send off any rumors that may not be true. And on that note, our scripture for today is from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs is a big fan of wisdom. Proverbs talks all about wisdom. And the thing about wisdom is it's not book learning. It's not knowledge you can get in trade school. It's not something you can go to seminary for. Wisdom is earned and we have to seek it and we have to receive it and we have to go after it by by sitting with the Lord, opening ourselves to the wisdom of God and then studying deeply and thoughtfully. So this is from Proverbs chapter one. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, friends, we are going to pray, not for a specific group of people this week. I know that's a little different, Uh, but we are going to pray for wisdom. We are going to ask God for wisdom for us, wisdom for our church and our congregation, wisdom for our friends and our neighbors, wisdom for our leaders. Wisdom is in short supply in our culture right now. We are so tempted by constant entertainment and changes of scenery and television and social media and news and noise. So let us ask God for wisdom. Scripture says, if any of you lacks wisdom, they should ask God who gives generously. Let us ask God for wisdom this week, my friends. That is my prayer for you. I would ask that you would pray that prayer for me and for those in your life. And not just the people you think, oh, that person really needs wisdom, but for all of the ones who are dear and close to you and for our leaders. All right, friends, a few recommendations as we close our podcast today. First, we are heading into the holiday season. We're not there yet, but if you have grandchildren, children, friends who are children, neighbor children, and you are thinking, gosh, I would like to bless them with something this Christmas. The toy that our kids love, they play with every day. Felicity plays with them, and she's just about to turn two. Wilson is four. Lincoln is eight. And sometimes we put the kids in bed, and Daryl and I find ourselves, we're supposed to be cleaning them up, but we're actually like, oh, this is kind of fun. Uh, Magnetiles. They are magnetic blocks. They stack. You can build all sorts of fun creations. They they are one of those toys that they run $45 or $50, so I really balked at them for a while because that's that's expensive, right, That for a toy. Um, but we got them when Lincoln was about three years old, and they have lasted. They are still in great condition. They play with them every day. We finally bit the bullet and purchased them when... Lincoln's preschool teacher said, you know, every day he wants to play with the magnets, but all the kids want to play with the magnets. And so we have to take turns and he just loves those magnets. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> and I uh, highly recommend them. I will link to them in the show notes. Um, 
Secondly, want to recommend a Christian literary magazine. It is online. It is free. It is written and edited um, by, by some folks who are part of some of my writing circles who have become friends. It is called Fathom Mag, Fathom Magazine. It's online. I'll link to it in the show notes. I write for them on occasion. Um, I haven't written much in the past few months. I actually wrote my first um, article for them just a couple of weeks ago. It had been almost six months since I'd written because... Well, you know, we're going we're going through a pastoring, parenting, teaching pandemic right now. <laughs> it's just a lot on my plate. Um, but they have poetry, they have book reviews um, of Christian authors. Several of the columnists are friends of mine, and it is just really lovely. Uh, their tagline is deeply curious which I think is such a beautiful picture of what God calls us to be in our studying minds. Be deeply curious, not fearful, not anxious, not quick to judge, but deeply curious. Um, so highly recommend Fathom Mag. Those are the two recommendations for this week, Fathom Mag and Magnetiles. There's a theme. Um, and next week, we are going to close out our series on politics. That is right. We have almost made it to the election, friends. And after the next couple of weeks, Jeff Given will lead us in election day on our podcast. I'm not sure what he has planned, but I'm excited to hear that on November 3rd. And then we will begin um, an Advent series on this podcast. How does God meet us in our longing, in our hoping, in our waiting? Because we are all longing and hoping and waiting in this long, unexpected season. And I think Advent has some really beautiful and profound and powerful lessons to teach us. Thank you so much for taking the time to be with me, friends. It has been good to be with you. Until next Tuesday, I look forward to being with you again here on the airwaves. Take care, be well, and God bless. Thank you.